0: Passing the basket. (laughs) You guys are killing me. Man. I'm going to make this quick. I do have a lot prepared, Jimmy. I was just kidding, but I'm going to make it really quick because we messed around there early, but we appreciate Tish making the commitment. We were running late because I we got in a big argument because um, I, I mowed. I'm on the mowing committee. We are on the mowing committee at her church, and it's a gigantic yard. It's the yard beside Meyer. And they had a big mower, but oddly enough, the week we're supposed to mow, it breaks. So, so we have the little... You know, like... Like would take you a while to mow this yard. <laughs> and... I, like, I'm feeling like I'm not mowing anything. You know what I mean? I'm out there. Anyway, we mowed all this yard, and some of it's very challenging. If you're not used to a zero-turn mower, it's real steep embankment. I mean, it's dangerous. Along McGaillard there, it gets real steep, and it's like a half a mile. So you're like, you know, you're on pins and needles. But thankfully, from J. Crew, I have a lot of mowing experience. So... It played out in my life this week. My job at J. Crew benefited me. So I'm out there mowing that. Anyway, I said all that to say that we mowed, I don't know, I was there six and a half, seven hours. And I got the primary part mowed and Tish push mowed up around the building for me to get all the trimming done. And then she left and rode her route and I did all the mowing and I got done. And my allergies were like, my eyes were closed. Anyway, I mowed acres and acres and acres and acres of grass to find out, as we're pulling out, I missed a section smaller than this podium around the mailbox. Because <laughs> I remember not. Because if I was going to mow it, I'd scalp it. You mowers know what I'm talking about. If you get on a slope the wrong way, it'll just cut it to the dirt. So I did not try it. I was just going to come back and get it. And I forgot it. So it's been that way. I mowed on Thursday, and it's been that way since thursday and she's been on me. We need to go get that mowed, and I'm like, it'll be all right like the people that the people that mowed <laughs> the people that, exactly because <laughs> the people that mowed last week left like two acres they didn't mow you know that i so I'm thinking pretty selfish anyway, we got into a bit of a scuffle, I'll call it a scuffle, about this little piece of grass that the pastor over there was going to drive right by this morning. Yeah, it's right by the entrance. But I mean, you could easily overlook it. (laughs) So anyway, I was late because we ended up over there this morning mowing it. Yeah. part of my spiritual I'm development like to say, you guys need to pray Rick, that's what she said coming down coming down Brotherton, she's like He's, I gotta go get him I said let me go in there and ask him of course old selfish Rick back here said yeah I like him cream filled ones <laughs> <laughs> she went and got his donut. Thank you. You're You're okay, real quick. This is about so in the Bible there's a lot of places Jesus is referred to as a teacher. And then I was reading some stuff and there's some other scripture in there. I'm gonna condense this down. But the message today is about being born again. And so you we believe We all believe by coming here, whether you've made the commitment to do this or not is between very personal, between you and the Lord. But we believe that at some point, because of the pursuant love of the Lord, that you have a moment, a breaking of your heart, a recognition, whatever you want to call it, a a moment where you recognize you have a need and you recognize that need to be by what you either heard or learned or it's permeating through the love of the Lord that you're drawn to Jesus. You're drawn to the cross and you, you accept the fact that that's going on. You believe that He's the Son of God and you confess a need for Him. That's what we've been talking about ever since we've been coming together. That's, that is a primary happening that has to happen in your life to be born again. You just don't get the luxury of being born as a baby and you're born again. You have to come to know the Lord as your Savior by an acceptance. Uh, And typically, I don't know of happening any other way from anyone I've ever met, it's always a breaking, which you think the connotation with that is bad, but it's great. It's a surrender, of your spirit, a breaking of your self-reliance. The one of the 12 step groups I attend says that it's a you become less self-reliant and more God-reliant. So that's key critical to have to happen in order to go where I'm going. We all right? So, um, okay, so having that in mind, let's go back into the Bible. And so what what I've been reading and where I'm going with this is that in order to get where I'm I'm going today and where I'm thinking about, where my spirit's at, you have to be born again. You cannot just be walking around the edge of this thing. You have had to have that decision happen in your life because otherwise, otherwise, He's just a teacher to you. Like, he's someone you might respect and look up to. A lot of people that opposed him called him good teacher. They, you know, he, they, they agreed that, okay, he has some teaching wisdom. The things he teaches about are accurate and correct. However, so let me read a couple things to you. Where are we at? I'm not there yet, but we're going to be, uh, I'm going to end in Matthew 5.3. That's where primary. But I'm going to read some other. But this is just a statement. Restate to yourself what you believe, because this goes along with where I'm going. Listen to this. Restate to yourself what you believe, then do away with as much of it as possible and get back to the bedrock of the cross of Christ. Okay. So what I'm saying is, That's a self-reliant thing, like there's a hint of self-reliance. Like if you went away from here today and like you have a certain way of believing and acting and controlling certain situations that end up, even if they end up with good results, you know, worldly good results, that statement's asking you to cast it off. Like when we become born again, my main message today is when we become born again, We need to just cast self off and let the Holy Spirit guide and direct us and move us into places where it's impossible for us to go. And most, a lot of you have already moved to some of these places. I'm not saying that we're amateur at it. We're working at this every week. And it's working. I hear the stories about it in our lives. But here's where I'm going with this. If you leave here, if you don't concentrate... Like if you don't focus on the fact that you're born again and you have a Savior. Because here's what happens. When you're born again, He is going to ask things of you. Like He has a purpose for your life, right? And that purpose is to fulfill you. To make you real fruitful. To make you the powerful individual He made you to be. To be a force, whether not famous. I'm not talking about the way the world tries to make you think about a force. I'm talking about a force that comes into a life and affects somebody. You give them rides, you clean up, you you think about people. You have a servant's heart. When you're born again, that's what he wants to place in you. You can't get that through yourself. You You can't get that because he taught you that. You can only get that if you surrender to it. If you give him your life. So what would be an example? I'll, so he gives us a great example of both sides. And this just fell in place for me. I, we've talked about this before. But man, does it, it's taken on a whole new meaning for me. So, and I want to stay glued together. Let me back up. I'm going to read a scripture at the end that this all hinges on. And it and it, it is not a negative thing. You should not go away going, Gosh dang it. So now I gotta be, I can't say it yet because we've got to save it. <laughs> but there, there's a if you let the enemy in on this, he's gonna send you away defeated. You will be you will know here, oh, this is good. This is how we know if you are feeling defeated. You have a teacher, not a Savior. Hear that again. If you feel defeated in an area of your life, Jesus is your teacher, not your Savior. Your teacher tells you, okay, I'm not going to choose anyone out. Okay, Todd, you've got this area of your life that you know I want. I want to call it out because it's taking up space and I've got something fruitful for you to replace it with. I've got something that is going to electrify your life. But you've got to be willing to let me have it. So if I heard my teacher say that, and I hear him, when I'm thinking of him like a teacher, I can hear hundreds of commands, right? Because he, he's commanding all the time. He says, if you're my disciple, you'll follow my commands. So if I, he's just my teacher, and he's commanding these things, I am going to go away frustrated, and in despair. You want to know why? Because I can't overcome it. I cannot overcome the things that He calls for in my life. I can't quit them on my own. I might be able to fight off a a version of it, but it's going to come back because it's it's my fiber, right? The only way my fiber gets rewoven is if my Savior... If I come to a place to where I'm looking at him as my teacher and he's like, he's calling into my life. And he's, and he's showing me, he's revealing to me what he thinks he can reveal to me where I could be spurred along. He has a purpose for that. He's doing that to you on purpose. And what's the purpose? For you to break. The purpose is for you to cave in. The purpose is for you to be like, Oh, I can't do it! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Has anyone in the room done that? I've got some things in my life, and I'm like, Man! And I'm unwilling, I'm unwilling today to just absolutely let Him be my Savior over them. If I will give up, and He knows this about me, this does, should not make you feel bad about yourself. If you're feeling bad about yourself, you're doing that. He is not doing that. You are condemning yourself because you're trying to be taught a different way to live. You need to let the Savior transform you. We need to let us... And the only way I can be transformed is if I'm willing to bring it to Him, like in defeat. i got to approach Him, you know... (sighs) Dang it. Like that. And when I do that, He will take that in my life and make incredible things out of it. So, how about this? Jesus is... He, the end's approaching. He's right there. He's going to have His last supper with His buddies. He goes up there. They're breaking bread. We've talked about this before. He goes in there, and they're getting ready to start breaking bread. And He takes a towel, and He gets this bowl, and He pours a bunch of water in it and he takes this boy, he doesn't even tell him what he's doing he's, and he gets down on his hands and knees and he walks over to the first disciple and he starts washing his feet and Peter's like, what are you doing? You're the king of kings you're the lord of lords what are you doing? He comes to Peter and he's like, dude, I'll bust you in the face, dude Seriously, he says, "You do not. You're not washing my feet." And Jesus says, "I have to wash your feet." So, the two that, so the we can see this, and I've thought about this. Let me read the scripture. And this is in, I'm sorry, Michael. I didn't even, I didn't even write down where I grabbed it. Matthew, uh, five, four. Well, this is, this is when Jesus came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? He's like, "Mm mm-mm, you're not going to do that. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but you will someday. Peter says, and he protested, the Bible says he was adamant, no, you are not washing my feet, you will never, ever wash my feet. Like he looked up to him, it's an honorable thing, right? But Jesus sees it just the opposite Simon Peter goes on, If you're going to force me to wash my feet, then wash my head, my toe, everything about me. And Jesus said, a clean person doesn't need their body washed, just their feet. Now we know right after that, he washes Peter's feet, and as he's doing it, Peter makes a statement. He says, I would never betray you. Right? He says that to him. And Jesus looks up from down on the ground. Washing his feet. And he looks at his best friend. Dead in the eyes. And he said. You're going to betray me tomorrow. Like you are going to say. You don't even know me. Tomorrow morning. Within hours. You're going to say. You don't even know me. So here's. So the the contrast to that is this. to Back to the sermon. Peter is holding on. Like. His, his unwillingness to let the king wash his feet and his unwillingness to, to, to understand that he's going to betray Jesus is a, is a movement of pride, right? It's a prideful, self-centered thing. It's tricky. You could see it kind of like, oh, he honors him so much. No, he doesn't. Jesus doesn't see it like that at all. He sees it as a barrier. He sees it as a wedge between him and his friend, and he has to prove it to his friend, and we know at the end what happens. So the story plays out. Jesus gets crucified. He comes back. He's resurrected. He's back on earth. And, he, and Peter, what's he done? Man, is this so simple to see. Because he denied Jesus when he was washing his feet, and he's like, uh-uh. And he's got that pride issue in his life. Jesus goes to the cross, he gets resurrected. What's Peter doing in the midst of that? He just caves in and goes full back to Peter. He goes full back to what he was before he met Jesus. The Bible says that if your house gets cleaned and you don't fill it up with good stuff, the battle will come back 7 by 70. A lot. Peter just returns to old Peter because Jesus is now in his mind gone, right? Like he's cast, he's running the show again. And Jesus ends up on the shore with a little campfire. And he tells him, dude, what's he do to Peter? Isn't this, Do you love Jesus or not? Because listen what he does. He doesn't say, this is what you would expect him to say, because this is what people say to you. Hey, dummy, I told you. No, he does not. What does he do? He overflows his boat With catch. They're catching nothing. Nothing. And he says, throw them over there. And they can't even get... he, He blesses him. He fills his life up with abundance as soon as he comes back in it. Peter comes up, recognizes him, and he's like broke down. This is where the difference happened for Peter. All that time was significant time that he spent with Jesus, but this was the turning point. Some churches call it a sanctifying moment. Like a second saving is how a lot of them describe it. I've had like 4,800 of these. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) That's not being funny. That's why that song said grace abounds. And that's not being funny either because it's true. This is where it happened for Peter. He walks up on the shore. He recognizes it's Jesus and what does he do? He breaks down. His pride, the barrier that he was had up, just crumbled because he realized, what did he realize? This was not his king. This was not his teacher. This was not a rabbi or a guy that did all kinds of miracles. This was his Savior. This was his Savior that was that was brought back to life. There was no denying that. And when Peter recognizes that, he crumbles. He just breaks. And He gives it up. And when He gives it up, Jesus restores their union together. And then He goes on in the, in the Bible to do incredible things for Jesus. I think it goes right along with that. And on down further in verse 20. It, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I warn you, unless your righteousness Better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious laws and and, and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so he. speaking directly towards So he is saying, what he is saying there is exactly what I just said. Yeah. Is the fact that you cannot you that righteousness does not exist in you. You are not getting that. If you leave here, the message today is, if you leave here trying to be righteous, then you only have a teacher. If you leave here allowing Him to impart His righteousness in you, you're susceptible to His Spirit. You're willing to be broken. If you leave here, you will be righteous. Does that make sense? I want to make sure I'm clear about that because... If you leave trying to do your deal, then you're just going to do your deal. If you leave being broken and born again and allowing His deal to be done, you're going to flourish. The Scripture I was going to end on was what we've already said, and it's the Beatitudes. It's the, like the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached while He was on earth. It was very controversial. He, he confused everybody with it. It was very hard for them to understand what he was saying. We know on the back side we got the privilege of the Bible and we know that he was saying exactly what we just said and he said it and he started the entire sermon like this. He said, "God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for me." Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that we would leave here understanding what we read and what we feel like you gave us. And that we would leave here with your spirit intact. That we would be willing to be broke. That we wouldn't be afraid or shy away from that. That we would know that by being broke, we're going to actually be fixed. That we know that by being broke, we're going to be made new. That we know by being broke, we're going to be overflowing and abundant. I pray that we would leave not trying to figure those out. Those are supernatural. But we know that that's what what you command. So I would just pray that each individual would see you this week as their Savior and not their teacher. That they wouldn't look into the Word to be taught, that they'd look into your Word to be saved. And if we would approach it that way, we're going to find incredible things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.